And the, I always say, let me say what the other preacher said before. I understand we are all scared of the chairs in front. <laughs> I understand that. And we want to be there. Maybe you don't want, I don't know what is that that you are not looking for. But let me say this. If, let's say, uh, uh, Mr. Matebula, I had things that I was supposed to come and give. And these things, the number is so limited. And the, the number of the church is so big. And we say, I'm going to start from here. Wherever it's going to end there, at the back, you won't get anything. Everybody will be in front. Mara, because the church of Christ today come to church not expecting anything. I don't know if you understand where I'm going. Brothers, the church, when we come to Christ, we must come with an expectation. We must come with an expectation. I don't know when you left home this morning. What is that that you're expecting this morning? Or is just another normal Sunday for you? Is this another day, like many other days, where you say, oh, by the way, it's Sunday. Let me go before I could go to the mall. Or are you here because you are expecting God to do something in your life? Do you have a need that you want God to meet in your life? The church today is no longer the church that was there before. The church that was there in the book of Acts. Where they gathered, they understood and they knew that God will speak to them in their lives. God will convict the sin in their lives. But today, church, madam, it's like a club. It's like a society. It's like where people come and gather, maybe just to see one another. And the owner of the church, let me tell you something, is in the house. He's waiting for you. He's got the things he wants to give them to you. The problem is we are not there. We are not ready to receive from him as the church. Let me tell you what is the church before we go to the message. The church is a personal entity created and founded by the Lord Jesus. When I talk about the church, I'm not talking of this building. When I talk about the church, I'm not talking about this meeting point. I'm talking about the believers in Christ. When we come together, that's why the Bible says, where two or three gather in my name, I assure you of my presence. And let me tell you something, when he comes, when God is in our midst, we will never go back home the same. We don't have to call you to come in front for us to pray for you, for you to be healed. You can never come in contact with God and still remain the same. Something is wrong with us today because we come into the presence of God, but we go back home the same and we are not worried in our lives. The last three weeks, I came in here for prayer. I made my own confession. Because that prayer turned something in me. That prayer recharged something in me. That prayer revived something that I had. And when we walk with God, we start normalizing everything. Oh, by the way, no, no, no. It's a prayer. Oh, no, it's another day where we go for prayer. It's not like that. 
It's not like that, brothers and sisters. The church belongs to Christ. I mean you. That's where I'm going. You belong to Christ. He died for you. On the Calvary. That's why today they speak of saying it's a, a Pentecostal Sunday. That experience was not in vain. But we can't make it in vain today. We can't just walk like we are all other people. Brothers, we know the value of the blood of Jesus. We know what he has done. And the other thing is it was not because you were wiser than anyone else. It was not because you are more educated than all these people. You did not receive Christ in your life because there was something special about you. Look at all the, the brethren or your, the people that you left outside when God called you. God called you among them. He chose you. He has put you in this place for a reason. It was not a mistake. In your whole family, you are the only one who has received this grace. Why do you take it for granted? Why are we taking this for granted? The last time when I was standing here, I spoke about the light. That you must shine it. Today we are speaking something different. But something that goes together with that. I'm speaking about the new life in the spirit. When we speak of the spirit, you know, there's a lot of definitions, a lot of how people perceive this thing when we speak of the spirit. But hopefully the Lord will help us today so that we understand that we are speaking about God himself. We're not speaking about the wind. We're not speaking about something that is temporal. We're not speaking about something that comes and then we feel him and then he leaves. Then when he's on the, the door out, we call him, he comes back. The Bible says he's there. He indwells within us. He's there with us. You don't have to. Sometimes when Christians, you know, you'll be, you'll be amazed how Christians behave. How Christians, you know, uh, when they are in problems or when they meet something else. By the way, I didn't do my, my, my prayer. Or, by the way, I did not give my tithe. It's not about your prayer. It's not about your tithe. It's about what he has done on Calvary. He died for you. He died for you. That's enough. You can't take the glory. I prayed this morning. That's why things are happening. It's not about you. It's not about you. This church that I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the people's church. I'm talking about the universal church of Christ. Where he saves everybody. There is this verse, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Where we'll, uh, 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 this will also be confirming what I'm talking about. He says, there's no longer slave, no master. There's no longer Jew. There's no longer Greek. There's no longer women. No men. This is the promise that we have received. Salvation doesn't go by gender. Doesn't go by race. Doesn't go by whether you are rich or poor. It goes by what Christ has done on Calvary. Brothers and sisters, that's the most important thing that we must take into heart. That the thing we must embrace it. 
This morning when I was preparing to come to church, I said I'm coming to church to come and, 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 and remind the brethren about this life. But when I was driving on the way, meditating on the word, something came inside. How do you remind the people? There are those people who, I mean, when you remind, you remind somebody of something that they have. Am I right? How do I remind you if you don't have it? How do I remind you? I'm going to give a very strong thing I felt when I arrived here. Acts chapter 2 from verse 36 to 41. I'm going to read it in ESV translation. It says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Savior. That's verse 36. This Jesus that the Jews crucified, God has made him both Lord and what? Savior and Christ. He was confirming this to the people who are religious. People who are there understanding that salvation belonged to them. But something that came when they were busy there, Paul said, listen, I know you denied Christ. I know you didn't want anything to do with it because of other reasons. One of the reasons is because he was born by Mary. You know, they insulted Mary, which I don't want to say it here. They said Jesus is the son of this woman. That's how people perceive things. But when Peter came, and I understand there are those things that you know that doesn't go together with your culture. You wanted this man to come out of such a family. You wanted Christ to be born, maybe from a certain lineage. But that's not how God operates. That's not God. He doesn't operate that way. If we can tell of our own personal testimonies, some of you will run out of this place. Because God doesn't choose or doesn't save people the way if it was me who was saving, I'll be able to say, I don't need you. I need this one because morally it's okay. I, I don't need this one. I need this because, you know, this is the person that I can associate with. God saved Saul. The man who was killing Christians. The man who was persecuting God says, I want to use such a man. That's how God operates. He doesn't look people according to how they look on their faces. He doesn't care. He's God. You know, when he wanted to use Moses, Moses came with all these excuses. God says, listen, that is human. I, I, I don't want you to, to, to take this glory of mine and put it on yourself. I need you to understand that after everything, you could not do it yourself. It's me. We are many here. Let me tell you, we are many and we are seated here. We can testify about that. That we are in this place. Not because of anyone else. This is God's doing. Verse 37, it says, When the people heard this, they were cut to heart. And said to Peter, 
and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? What shall we do? It was not for the first time that they heard such a message. They denied him as their Messiah, by the way. They denied him as their Lord. But what is the difference of this message today and the message then? Why today is this message cutting their heart? Why is this message today different than the other days? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know how many times you have received the message from God and nothing happened in your life. Nothing happened. But there was a day when God took this message direct. That you may find it's a place full of thousands of people. God can gather a million looking for you. He can gather them, all of them, searching for you. Not anyone else. You may be coming from a house with good morals and all this. Your parents can be defending you, not our son. Because they can see from the outside. God knows us from the inside. That message when it comes, let me tell you something. When it comes into you, you will respond. What shall I do, Lord? Those are the words also the word was spoken by Paul. When he was down, the other guys were still with him, thinking that this man will stand up. They know him. He was powerful. But because he met the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, that what makes us, brothers, to stand before you. We are not wiser than you. We are not perfect than you. There's nothing special about us. We are just the mouth of God. We are actually taking what he, he told us to take out of our mouth, through our mouth, just to present it to you. Listen, Peter presented the same message. The same message. But this time, something different happened. Because it was God working through his own word. Hallelujah. Before I go further, I just want to stop a little bit on this. If this message did not cut your heart, if you are seated in this place, and the message of the cross has been cut directly into your heart. It is good that you are with us. We may be lying to you and tell you that you are serving in one of the best groups. You are in the yellow team. You are doing very well. You may be serving in different committees. Let me be honest to you, and I'm going to be honest. Because I have this love for you from God. If the message of the cross didn't cut your heart, you won't see him. You won't see him. You will not enter heaven. He says many will come and say, in your name, I sang. In your name, I, I prayed. I, I served you for so long. And he said, he will say to them, go out before me. I have never known you. Who are you? You are known by the people's church. It's true. They know you very well. But who are you? Because the message did not arrive in your life. He says this to Nicodemus one day. My goodness. 
Nicodemus goes to Christ by night. He says, we all know that you are from God. But the response of Christ was so different. He said, listen to me. I need you to do something. Unless you are born again. Unless you are born again. This is the message I'm giving you to you. You are in this church. It's good. You are coming with your mother. You are coming with your parents. You are moving with everybody. You are attending all the conferences. Yeah? This church is aware that they are standing over. You, you are the people of this church. But let me, if you are not born again. I don't want to use this way that you are wasting your time. And the danger is when we sit inside the church for so long, we start normalizing things. When they call for people, when the message comes, we take a shuffle. Ah, this is for Tatema Tebula. It's not for me. You are here for yourself. You are here for yourself. Not for me. Not for Pastor Mashangu. Not for anyone else. We're here for you. I'll come back to that. Let's go first. And then in verse 38, he says, Peter, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And listen, when you go further, it says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you ask me, what shall I do? The Bible says, repent. You have to repent. Don't do lip service to God. Don't stand there and say, I've repented. He's the God of the hearts. He knows us. He knows when we are lying. He knows when we are telling the truth. But let me tell you something. When the word of God has cut your heart, you'll never lie. You'll never lie. You'll speak the truth. That resonates from the word of God. The last verse I'm going to speak on here, verse 37. He gives the reason. He said, for the promise is for you. Which promise now are we talking about? But this promise is for you. Talking to the Hebrews. And for your children. And for all who are far off. When you read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 and 17, he says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. He's talking about you and me. We are not the Hebrews. We were called the outsiders. But we were now brought near. Hallelujah. Oh my God. Listen to the last one. Verse 17. And he says these words. With many words. With many other words. He warned them. What did he do? He warned them. Number two. He pleaded with them. Number three, he said this word, save yourself from this corrupt generation. I'm bringing a warning to this church this morning. Peter warned the people who were told salvation belongs to you. 
you are born from this lineage. They got used to everything. They understood everything belongs to them. Yeah? Sometimes when you get used to things, you, you, you even jump, you even do things that are beyond things that you were given to do. Because you are now used to the place. You are now used to the system. You can hack it. Yeah? When they tell you, this is what you are supposed to do. No, you know, ah, uh-uh. leave them. I know how to maneuver the whole thing. These guys, they don't have a, they wanted to, they said, no, 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 we know that we are ex- still expecting the Lord. But when Peter said, no, don't worry, he is the one you guys killed. There is a warning here. I'm reminded of a story some years back in Zanin. There was this bus that was coming somewhere around Palaboro. They drove to, uh, they had a, a school trip to Bolobedu. It was about two buses full of kids. You know, if I know most of you won't have this experience. Sometimes back if, they, if I was told you, you are going to go on a trip, I don't sleep. I couldn't sleep. Because you sleep, you miss that hour the bus is gone. What we used to do, they say, three o'clock, by ten we are at school. Waiting for the bus. Ten o'clock, I better sleep there. They must wake me up when the bus comes. Number two, those buses... I don't know how they were, you know. But the guys who were driving those buses, when the bus is on, on the road, you know, yeah, doing cruising, you, you will hear the driver sometimes taking the gears. When he does that, all the kids in the bus go crazy. They will sing songs about the driver. We heard these words. Imagine driver. drive. It was so beautiful. You know, you will miss the songs in the bus. It was so awesome. I know most of you don't know that experience. The bus, it was during the, the, the day when they passed through all Zanin. They took another road. They called Deer Park. From Deer Park, the, in that road, it's only the, you know, Lord of Trees. Until you reach Haban. They went to the school. It was so beautiful. They played. I don't know if they won or they, 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 they lost, but that was not the aim when you go to a school trip. You wanted the fellowship of other learners. You know, we come, we share food. It was so beautiful. The time for them to go home arrived. It was so nice. Everybody was singing. The driver also, when he was there, he went to his own place. He took one or two or three you know, of the drinks. It was so nice. Because that noise of the kids was so nice to his ears. When he entered, he started the bus, everybody went in. He asked them, sing, we are now driving home. They sang, the teachers, it was so beautiful. But when they were coming, they, they, they turned now as if they are going to Zanin. Before, it, it was, it's not a very, it's about three cases from the road of Polizzi. And the, I know you don't know the place. The road to Zanin, where it's going to turn straight to Zanin. When they were coming, there were two buses. The other one, you know, they are coming closer. Kids are so excited. The first bus in front, the man is saying, no, they are coming. So kids say, driver, ride, put your 
your feet on the accelerator. It was doing bash. So in front, there is this chevron. You know, these big trucks, I don't know what you call these things, that you find them in the big trucks. They show you cannot go. It's better you overtake this way or on the other side. I think it's chevrons. The man, there was a chevron in front. And it's a T-junction. T-junction. You better turn right or left. When he was coming, it was on a curve. He saw the chevron. Kids say, yeah, overtake. The man said, yeah, you are right, they are coming. Indicator. It was a T-junction. It was a T-junction. When he went on the other side, when he, he looked, it was too late. I'm talking of kids. Most of, most of us went to that place. It was so terrible. I'm warning the church. I don't know at what speed are we cruising. I'm not sure. I don't know what message are we singing to our leaders. Sometimes we may be singing the right tune by the wrong song. I'm not sure whether we're singing. I don't know what is that that you are encouraging us as the preachers that when we stand here, we must tell you more about your wealth. I'm not sure. We're telling you more about blessings. We're telling you more about your healing. You want, these are the things you want to hear. And when we do that, we are loved most by the members of the church. And forgetting that these people belong to Christ. He died on the cross, by the way. He died. We were not there. I didn't carry the cross. I didn't carry. I'm one of you. I'm just privileged to stand here. I'm one of you. I don't know what message are we trying to receive every day that makes us not even to see the warnings when they are coming. The church is in a bad situation today. In a very bad space. You go to church, things that are happening in church, you'll be amazed. Is this the club? Is this the church? Is this a society? What's going on here? The church is governed by the laws of the country. No longer by the Bible. No longer by God himself. No longer by God. I'm giving this strong warning. Number two, I'm pleading with you. We are not here forever. I'm telling you. We, you know, I, I was so happy when we, we came for prayer, we prayed, and the, there was this way that we spoke. I know it was done by Palisa and even... Pastor Matlang, we encourage them to say, guys, we are here. God's grace is on us. We, we, we survived Corona. You are not going to survive them all. I'm warning you. This is not your home. We are not permanent here. We are passing by. We are passing by. They didn't die because they were, they were very stupid. The moment their time had arrived. You may say whatever you want to say. No one guaranteed your presence here. No one guaranteed that you are here forever. I, I'm, I'm going to close these things. I'm not going to talk about these things. That's what I'm saying this morning. The word warning came so strong. So strong. Let's not lie to ourselves. Let's not lie to our children. Let's not lie to this community. Christ is coming. 
And it's coming back very soon. What message are we preaching? If Peter listened, because one, these guys were so strong that they killed Christ. You know how many guys were there during the Pentecost? The Bible says people from Asia, they gathered. There were so many. But Peter, the Bible says, he stood so boldly and speak the same words that, you know, they would have crucified even Peter. Just, are you saying the same things that made us to crucify Christ? Who are you? But Peter said, I have received the message. I have to deliver the message as is. I'm delivering this message to you as is. This Jesus is your Savior. This Jesus is your Lord. He wants to lord over your life. He wants to save your family. He wants to save you. Church won't save you. I can't save you. Your parents can't save you. Your education cannot save you. Your money can't save you. You know, sometimes when we sit, I, I sometimes sit with my kids, plan life. Show them, guys, this is what's going to happen. You know, this is where we want to stay. This is where we want to spend some time together. But during COVID-19, I changed the message. I prepared my kids for death. I told them straight. We are not here permanent. People that we knew were prayer warriors. They died. Pastors are leaving. You know, I'm so scared. I'm, we were burying one of the pastors yesterday in Zanin. Just these two years, churches are without leaders. Can't you see these are the signs? Why God is allowing leaders to live? Where are we going to be? Who's going to guide us? Who's going to lead the way? Because we think everybody can stand and do it. It's not like that. Brothers, it's not like that. It's not easy to stand here and tell people the truth. Sometimes when you talk about the truth, you are the one who's convicted of the same truth. You stand here and you want to say something. You look at your wife. She says, say it, I'm looking. <laughs> say it. You are convicted of the same truth. It's not so easy. But we are delivering God's message. We are delivering God's message. Brothers and sisters, things must turn. Something needs to change. In our personal life, in how we do things. This is God's house. When we come together, he must talk to us. We must not leave this door if he hasn't spoken to us. Where are we going? Where are we going if he hasn't spoken? What message are we taking outside? He said to his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, listen, and I'm concluding. He said, guys, I've been with you. You saw miracles. You saw how people were healed. You saw how people were convicted when I was with you. I know your experience is broader than how you can imagine. But he said something to them. I need you to go and wait for me. You are not going to leave Jerusalem. You are not going to leave Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit must first come. And when he comes, he will empower you. Listen, salvation 
without the empowerment of the Spirit, it's nothing. You will never be saved. We are saved and convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit. The same people who had him, the same people who had Christ, but the day the message was accompanied by the power, they were all cut to heart. The Bible says 3,000 men surrendered their lives. We have people here who have surrendered their lives. We have people who have never surrendered their lives. But you are seated with us. But let me be honest with you. If you haven't surrendered your life, that's the reason you live the way you're still living. That's why that is the reason you don't mind to steal and still bring the same offering into the house of God. You don't mind that. You don't mind to live double life. You don't mind. Because you haven't surrendered your life. God is not God over your life. Huh? He doesn't lord over your lives. Let me speak the last point here about repentance. And then we are going to pray. When, he, when Paul also advised the church in Ephesus, Ephesus, he said to them, in Ephesus chapter 5 from verse 18, he said, no longer be drunk with wine. I need you to be controlled, to be filled by the Holy Spirit. He was trying to say to them, leave these temporary things. Leave this temperate. Alcohol is for that night. In the morning, problem still comes back. That's what you're saying. Sunday won't help you. There are people who are here just for confession. Tomorrow you're going back to your normal life. Jesus says, that's not what I died for. I didn't die for temporary issues. I'm not here for moral issues. I'm here to deal with the real thing. And the real thing is seen in you. You are not troubled by anything. When your marriage is not breaking because of anything. It's not even finance. It's not even your husband who doesn't listen to you. No, your wife who doesn't listen to you. The problem is sin. If we can deal with sin problem in all humanity. You know, we speak of all people outside. But I want to deal with sin in church. Because sin is so rooted inside the Christians. That even the outsiders will come and testify, I'm better than these people who are gathering here. Because of you. Just because of you. They know you. They know how you live. They cry in the community. But on Sunday, you are at that door. Many people want to enter that door. They found you there. I'm not taking of ashes. I mean you are a roadblock. People want to come in here. But how you live, how you conduct yourself, doesn't go together with Christianity. Doesn't go to, together with the life God wants us to live. Brothers, we are the light. We are the light. We have to shine Christ. We have to do it. It's not a question about, there's no question about it. This is what we have to do. Why did God save you? Why didn't he save others? Why you? That's the question I want you to ask yourself. Why you? 
Why me, Lord? Why me? He wants to use you. There are many people outside that he wants to bring inside. But we are standing there blocking them. I'm talking, I want to read about repentance. And then we are going to pray. He says, I took these words from few books and even the Bible. Where I defined, I wanted to define and understand the word repentance. Because Paul says, uh, Peter says, you must repent. Repent, the word, the verb repent is to express a sincere regret or a remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. This is repent. You cannot repent until until in you, you express this sincere regret. There are people who are not regretting, but they are repenting. You can't repent if this thing in you, you don't feel convicted about it. No, no, sorry, man. Ah, I'm sorry. But you know deep down, you say, ah, you know, we wanted to use, it's in church, I don't want to use this word. You say with your hand, but on the other side, no, I'm okay. But deep down, you are denying. And you think God doesn't see your heart. You can hide it from the brethren. Number two, repent is a change of one's mind. It's to turn away from evil. That's repent. That's what God is expecting of you and me. We must turn away from evil. We must turn. When we mean turn, I'm looking this side. I was going this direction. When God convicted me, I immediately make a U-turn. I change my direction. This is you. This is you and me. We have to change the direction. We have to change how we speak. We have to change how we live. We have to change our attitude. There are quite a number of things that God wants to change. And it must start in the church of God. We must return. Return. We don't turn to God. We return to God because that's where we are coming from. You must return to your master. Hallelujah. Biblical repentance is a redirection of human will. Hallelujah. The human will must be redirected back to God. A purposeful decision to forsake all unrighteousness and pursue righteousness. When we speak of repentance, Peter was saying, I need you to redirect yourself. To redirect yourself. Genuine repentance involves the mind, involves the heart, involves the will. There is this song in Benny, if you don't know it, it's okay. I'm going to sing it. We're going to pray.